Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Splash Play, your favorite fantasy football podcast and the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. It's divisional round weekend, and we've got a lot of interesting stuff to talk about today, including some simulations, a popular topic of conversation from people who've reached out to me throughout the year. Talk about those as we go, but uh, we'll, we'll get right into it right away. I'm Chris Spaggs, joined once again by your friend and mine. You know him, you love him. He's Peter Overzet. How are you doing, Pete? I'm doing good, man. You know, a, a few weeks ago when we had Brian Hooper on the show, you know, we were talking about Sims here. Someone made a joke that he's Cam Sims and you're Steve Sims Jr. And now we need to bring another Sim bro into the Thunderdome today. So very excited for the show. Justin has already shared his private Sim results on Twitter, something you have never done, Spags. You hoard your baby Sims all to yourself. <laughs> I do, and honestly, if I had known the type of engagement you get, but let's intro him. He's Justin Freeman. Follow him at Justin Freeman 18. And Justin, you're doing Pat Mayo shows now. You have the captain spot. People can go to cptspot.com and see some more of your content there. Uh, showdown fixation for you, but you went viral with your Sim, getting them out early. And I got to say, I was impressed seeing that level of engagement on Sims. I feel like you're bringing it to the mainstream. <laughs> you know, you never know exactly how things are going to be uh, responded to when you put them on Twitter. And then somebody like Matthew Barry quote tweets it and uh, then it kind of lives on its own a little bit. Yeah, let's let's talk about that real fast. And again, follow at Justin Freeman 18. Justin, you know, guy on the upswing here. We do try to mix. Last week, we had Matthew Barry. Uh, next week, we're bringing back our pal Sal Vetri for a head-to-head face-off against Pete here uh, to close out the our last multi-game slate of the year. But Justin, you ran your sim. You ran your 2,000 simulations on the DraftKings main slate. And I also read the thread, too, to try to figure out what you're doing because for me, I'm doing sort of a standard one when I run my Monte Carlo sims that we've talked about on here where it's pretty basic in Excel. I'm actually running less than you should, which is why our, our pal Brian Hooper size shamed me for running only 100 times. <laughs> for me, it's all about a quick turnaround, but for you, I saw you're doing something a little bit different where you're going play-by-play. Play. You had somebody help code you up uh, some stuff on R, which is a programming language, but uh, as simple as you can, explain to the people out there what you're doing and what makes it different from some of the other sims that people might find out there. Before I completely nerd out, I wanted to do my due diligence before hopping on to this thing with you guys, and I listened to last week's show and obviously, following up Matthew Barry, you guys seemed really interested to get Sal back on. So I'm glad I could be your second choice here for today's show. Um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Sims nonetheless. Yeah, my, my general idea, and I created this whole Sim process uh, for Showdown because you know, showdown, the projections don't matter, right? It's all about correlation. It's all about how the puzzle pieces fit together. And so, you know, building out a really cool showdown model that, you know, played out different game scripts and, and different pairings and, and a lot of different randomness objectives uh, sort of mixed in. Uh, was sort of a natural way to also look at the main slate too. It took a lot of modification, but basically I wanted to take like the known volatility that we actually want and we embrace and helps us create unique lineups in showdown and like, okay, well we could essentially do this for the, for the main slate as well. And I can do like 10,000 simulations pretty easily, like computing power wise on showdown. I can't quite do that on the main slate. So you see, I did 2000 here uh, for this slate, but basically what it is, is like, Let's run every game uh, on the slate 2,000 times and see how often e essentially optimize on each of those different simulations. So, okay, Sim 1 on all four games. What was the optimal lineup? Sim 2, all four games. What's the optimal lineup? And just repeat, 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 repeat. Iterate that 2,000 times. And you have a really good distribution of like uh, how often players are to be in the optimal. Now, 
how likely a player is to be in the optimal is not necessarily like a super important thing on actual like full 13 game classic slate because you know, like you don't have to have the best lineup, the most optimal lineup to win, even the Millie maker. Like you're, you're going to leave some points on the table, even in that winning lineup. So, but on this type of slate, a four game slate, you, you're basically going to need to hit the nuts, right? I mean, you're going to need to nail it. And so that's what makes it kind of powerful. The shorter the slate, the more powerful this is. So I've had some success like over on two game slates this year. Uh, there've been some three game slates or three game slate last week. Um, that kind of led me towards a, a really cool Steelers stack that ended up paying off late. And and I know, I think you got screwed by the Steelers stack last week. Didn't yeah. You, we're Pete? not, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> we're, we're, we're on to the divisional round. <laughs> but that's the general idea. Like let's just assume a lot of variance in all these games, let it play out. And you know, the good players are going to rise to the top. And I think we can ultimately like compare some of those numbers to ownership projections, have a really good idea. Like, Okay, yeah, like we like Devontae Adams 31%, but if the field's playing him at 40%, well, we got to sort of rethink, you know, how bullish are we on Devontae Adams? Does it make sense to like stay at 31% or should we just come off of him altogether and just make that a fade because we know we're lower on him than the field? So this just asks a lot of interesting questions once the data's out there. So that, that's something too that uh, I think we've uh, the awesome of the site that I do a lot of work with. Um, they have a boom bust tool where it's about like, hey, this guy's going to exceed his expectation by this much, this amount of the time. He's going to bust this amount of the time, and that's sort of how you calculate uh, the concept of leverage. Like Justin's talking about here is that if a guy's projected for twenty percent ownership, but you think he's going to be a smash play forty percent of the time, it does make sense to get two x the field. And I think my question, Justin, and, and to me this is something that I also learned. I guess to give people sort of the background for me was that I have a coworker at Awesome Josh who was doing sims for nba and i was like yeah, he's like he's sharp and like you know he gets good results certainly not at the osmo level but sims have been something that players have been doing uh behind the scenes for for years now and i think there's now a lot more dfs products out there with them but what spurred you on because i saw that you you hired somebody to help you program it and you like were basically you know wanted to find a solution here and you knew how to get there but what made you want to do this because i do think it's an evolution of dfs and sort of an important part of the process that um people may need more than they realize yeah, so this offseason, I teamed up with a couple guys over at Occupy Fantasy, um, Brian Jester and Chris Rooney, to publish a, the Captain Spot ebook, which is a showdown DFS manual. And just sort of as I'm writing this and as I'm doing it, I'm like, man, projections are unusable in showdown DFS. Like, you have to make an assumption about how this game's going to go and be all in on that particular script. I mean, that's the only way around it. If you just jam in optimals, you are going to absolutely suck. I, I am the real Sim Shady. I, I, I like that uh, that little footer there. Um, but yeah, so you have to be thinking about things probabilistically in terms of lineup combinations for showdown. And so it just sort of naturally parlayed from there, like main slate stuff. Um, yeah, there's there's correlation there. And the smaller the slate, to me, the more powerful. Speed, how do you feel about this? Because I know you've been, uh, you know, let's say uh, derisive towards Sims in the past. <laughs> you like to you like to more shake a magic eight ball and see how that's going to come out. Different processes for different folks. But have you sort of started to play with the stuff more and get curious about it? Because, you know, Pete suggested bring Justin on. And sort of what we try to do here is we like to have the big guests. But we also want to have people who are on the come up. Guys like Justin who are starting to get uh, their sea legs and get a lot more shows out there. Uh, so Pete, you tell me, like, what do you think about Sims and are you using them at all? You know, either taking them from somebody else or, or maybe even thinking about handcrafting your own in the off season. I, I do not think I am, um, intellectually interested enough 
to try to learn how to do them myself, but I mean, they are incredibly valuable. They do what we're trying to juggle all these variables in my head. Like when I look at my ceiling projections, my ownership, my points per dollar value, and then I'm trying to bake in correlation on my own. I'm trying to juggle all these variables as I input in a a lineup. These Sims do that for you. They say, if these things happen, if Patrick Mahomes is in the optimal lineup, well, who's coming along with him? It is building in that correlation to it. So the Sims are like the AI version of all the variables I'm trying to juggle in my head and I'm not very good at that. So yes, I'm I'm very pro sim here despite what Spags might try to say. And the Sims video game too, you just love building yeah. walls around them, making them cry and shit themselves. Oh, that's actually <laughs> what I was talking about. Are you guys talking about different Sims? <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, you just play the Sims and you have them play a football game and then it's like, oh, Michael Thomas is going to do great here because this Sim did so fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Justin, um, my question for you, did you have any sort of statistical background going into this or did you just go like, hey, I, this seems like an edge that I could find, especially for showdowns where it's so much about pinpointing the top one player and, and then figuring out, you know, relative to captain ownership and all that. So was there something in particular that made you want to dive more into this and, and try to find that edge? Yeah, I, I'd say I'm like a lot of a, a jack of all trades, master of none type. Um, and so I have a, a rough statistics background. I'm an MBA. And so I had a lot of training and stat modeling and that sort of stuff, but never like computational programming or developing a platform that feeds in information and and does crazy stuff with it. So essentially I had to, like, I'm total donkey. I had to build this thing in Excel and use like equals Rand functions. And, and okay, like, the exact same thing I'm doing. <laughs> so I'm like, this is how it makes sense to me. Now I need somebody much smarter than me that speaks a much more complicated programming language. It's like, take this idea and, and make it work more powerfully, iterate it more powerfully. And that's exactly what we did. Um, I had two guys who were really, really helpful uh, for me over the over the past several months, uh, Connor McQuiston and uh, Zach Kins, who both came in and helped me out quite a bit. I mean, just like our super programmers and like, it's fantastic. All I have to do is you know, essentially feed in my projections info, which I'm making already. Uh, you can find my written work over at numberball.com and that's where my projections reside as well. Uh, but basically, like I'm already feeding in target market share. I'm already feeding in rushing market share, and I have some you know logic steps in the in the back end that sort of help figure out some of the more efficiency based things as well. So I don't have to do that part of the legwork. So it's really cool. And and for me, it's like it's an interesting thing to go back and look at. Like I can actually pull a true median projection. I would say most projections you're looking at are not true medians. They're going to tend towards like more mean average. Uh, projections. And that's sort of a nerdy distinction, right? But it's it's kind of an important one too, because I can plot out different uh, percentiles, range of outcome percentiles. I can plot a player's distribution graph or whatever, like for fantasy point output. And to me, that's cool. And that's more powerful. And thinking about things like as more of a spectrum, I think is a, a powerful way to look at fantasy sports. Yeah, fantasy sports exist on a spectrum. I mean, that's kind of the 2021, you know, place that we're at right now. And I'm glad that uh, because sometimes on this podcast, Spags isn't very woke. So to have a phrase like that associated with our podcast, I think helps our cause. I thought we were referring to how most fantasy players were on the spectrum. I thought that was <laughs> <laughs> entirely different there. Yeah. Um, I think, though, know, honestly, I do think, you know, we, we're sort of going, we're, we're walking the line between advanced level stuff and sort of the, the baseline sort of knowledge base. But for me, it was just an important part of the process to figure out on my own because I've always had issues with like believing too much in one guy and not sort of adjusting and treating it like, you know, a stock portfolio is really how a lot of the top players treat their, you know, 150 max entries, even their 20 maxes trying to do that. Uh, so to me, it was a helpful visualization. And I 
think something we're going to see evolve here. And Justin, I guess my, my one question, which I think a lot of people may have, if they are a casual player trying to, you know, trying to make that, uh, make uh, some sort of understanding of it, where there's already an aversion to advanced statistics for some people out there. There's already a, an aversion towards uh, the advanced data that we find valuable, but how accurate do you find these, these Sims to be for you? Like, I think to me, they're just sort of a, a you know, a, a goal line, sort of trying to figure out where I should put my my money on and what things that I should try to back. But for people out there, you know, if they're trying to really pinpoint the the possibility of an outcome, how accurate do you feel like you've gotten in that process? Well, it, it's tough to measure accuracy with simulations because uh, you're you're kind of always right and you're kind of always wrong sure. <laughs> because you've simulated every possible outcome that, that can exist or at least 10,000 different ones. And so what's interesting is I'll go back, you know, if something off the wall hits, uh, you know, wins a, a showdown Millie or something like that. I'll go back and check and say like, okay, well, what number, like I, I, my, my program spits out lineups and says, well, what number, uh, you know, in terms of frequency was that lineup? And sometimes the lineup like won't even exist. It, it, like we ran 10,000 simulations and it doesn't exist. And typically like that's going to mean I made a bad assumption. Like I was the guy feeding in the information. So like if I think that Lee Smith for the Buffalo Bills is projected for 2% of the targets, like he's going to be in almost no optimal lineups. Um, but if he just so happens to have his three catch for 60 yards in a touchdown game, guess what? He's in there. And, um, and, and I just needed to be more bullish on him that game. But so, I mean, some of my Sims will just like, just so happen to give him 8% in a game or something like that. But yeah, you know, most of them will give him 0% because that's just how it works for a player like that. But yes, yeah, so I won't hit on every combination. So it, it, like I say, it is tough to evaluate. I tend to just sort of play the best plays that I think aren't going to be duplicated a ridiculous number of times. Um, I know some people strive for like true uniques. And to me, that leaves too much meat on the bone, like a 20 way chop for first. Yeah, sure. Sign me up for a 20 way chop for first. If that's a, a 20 X more likely outcome than the guy who's playing a unique, that's just sort of my thought. Well, as someone who has once touted Eric Tomlinson on a showdown slate, I feel like uh, you can just at me next time with that statement. <laughs> it happens sometimes. Yeah. If you were, if you were the guy who hit on him, you'd, you'd uh, You'd have all the followers. I'll say one thing that's annoying me about Eric Tomlinson this year since we're talking. <laughs> what else is the chance? PFF has him as a large black man as his head as his headshot. I don't know who the guy is they think is Eric Tomlinson, but um, I should let me see if it's still up because it definitely was for most of the year. Because I remember looking up Tomlinson on a couple of I think Raven slates, and um, he is not a, a large black man. He is a large white man. It just has bothered me all year long. <laughs> I just had no other time to say this out loud. I'm finally glad I could get it off my chest. These are the issues that. I think people care about, and we should probably riff on this for the next oh, yeah. two. <laughs> wow, Justin <laughs> coming in hot. I, you took that Sal beef personally, leaning <laughs> in on it. Um, actually, no, they fixed Eric Thompson. Now, now he is in fact a a heavy set white man with, I think, a man bun. So, wow, good for Eric Thompson. There you go. Um, are you doing anything for the other sports, Justin, with, you know, obviously Sims, I think to me, uh, you know, NFL Sims are, are certainly helpful and, uh, there's a lot of value in just being able to read relative to ownership and all that, but the volatility of touchdowns, kind of like you mentioned with a guy like Lee Smith, I think, uh, is very relevant there because sometimes those guys just won't pop up in a meaningful way for NBA though. I think they're fantastic. And I think they're a major part of my process. I'm really, um, I've been doing really well with NBA this year and been very happy with the results. And it's been from my rudimentary Sims. So are you starting to dabble in the other sports or is it really just football? Football that had your heart and trying to figure it out it's just football right now and as soon as the season's over with i will look forward to like a month of decompressing from football um and 
basically I would love to get into baseball. Like I think that would be a great thing to simulate because it is just so the, the progression uh, is so linear and you could, I mean, you can create so many like basic level decision trees as terms of, of outcomes. <laughs> Pete's killing me with these, these footers. He's really embracing <laughs> the crawl today in a way that he hasn't right, previously. The crawl is killing it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, when the XFL hits in spring 2022, baby, we will be certainly implementing Sims to see who's popping over there. Hey, and speaking of XFL, uh, did I just see you spent like $400 on XFL apparel the other day? Yeah, you're looking at a, a key piece of this right here. Oh, this yeah, the Battlehawks. We got St. it. St. Louis Battlehawks. I, I thought I had to do something relatively on brand for this particular appearance. So, yeah, uh, most of my shows I'm wearing something. Except I have like I have a lot of hoodies and T-shirts at this point, and my wife's not uh, really excited about that. Are you a St. Louis guy? But I, I will say I did not spend any of our hard-earned money on uh, virtual gifts, which appear to be the, the thing of the hour today. So, yeah. um, I, I do not that. get that one at all. I saw that Bales bought the one for, or I guess the consortium of, of, uh, those guys bought the yeah. 35 K one of John Morant. And, uh, I, let's just say I'm not quite as bullish on the marketplace as those people seem to be. Uh, I have already actually spent $40,000 on a PJ Walker Houston Roughnecks moment, you know, just threading the needle uh, on a nice little pass there to um, uh, Sammy Coates. So that's how I've uh, I liquidated that's how my four lying because he definitely what? did not do anything with Sammy. He did. Coates. There was that one game. <laughs> that one, that one game. That's why it was such a special moment. Let's talk a little XFL because it's been kind of an underlying theme. Pete and I both enjoyed it, cared about it. Justin, also one of the aficionados, if you could tell by him buying the merch. And uh, I think the one thing that I have to ask you right now, Justin, uh, we all saw what Taylor Heineke did last week. I think we can all agree that Jordan Tamu would have won that game single-handedly for the, for the football team. I almost said the R word. Yeah, and I am a football team fan, so I was I was just all in in that game. Um, and what a what a fixating game that was! It was fantastic. Um, we look at some of the XFL products that are just straight crushing it in the NFL. We saw Philip Walker come in and was not horrible. He was about as good as Teddy Bridgewater. He was, was better right? than Teddy, if we're being honest. Yeah, yeah let's, let's be real. And Donald Parham is at least three X the player Hunter Henry is. Yeah, unequivocally. I honestly, I miss the XFL. And I think now that we're going to be about a year from when it came back and then quickly left our lives again, um, mm -hmm. just a fun product that we're not going to have any spring football, though. I guess we have that Johnny Manziel league. So hopefully you can start running some Sims for that. Justin, the <laughs> fan controlled yeah. football, the next wave. I'm not as bullish on that one. But yeah, what do you think? Do you, do you guys like the XFL's chances? Like, were they going to make it this year if not for COVID? I think so. I really do think they were going to make it. I think they were they were getting good traction, and it seemed like they had enough money to get through the season, uh, you know, before all the COVID stuff. So I I, I do really think COVID uh, was to blame for that because they were they had penetrated the most important market, which is the fantasy and the sports betting markets. That's where they captured their interest. The product was good. The coverage was good. The 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 way they did the TV schedules and stuff with the Saturday and Sunday stuff, I thought they nailed it. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I fully agree too. And I think, you know, part of it to me that jumped out, I think there were some things they could have done better. Like I think having easier to access data would have been helpful for them because that's a big part of how you get the, these gambling and DFS communities in. It's just people being able to model it out and having reliable data. Uh, PFF though, did a good enough job, I think, of covering that where I, I felt like I had enough to, you know, make some money there. But yeah, I think it was just fun and the quality of football was good. And, and you know, I will always root for the guys that come out of it. And hopefully, you know, The Rock is the, the new owner. The Rock and his ex-wife who are business partners which just seems uh, worrisome i think if i were in that world but uh they're bringing it back and I, I hope it goes well because spring football i think is just a lot of fun it's nice to have football continue to go on it is fun and what's funny is we're talking about this slate is that if it fits that exact same um timeline right two saturday games and two sunday games like that's that's that was what was so fun about XFL DFS is like i'm swapping all day long two days and that's just that's awesome so yeah. we got a lot to talk about the divisional round. And if you guys are in chat right now, make sure you hit the like button. If you're watching after the fact, hit the like button and subscribe too. Uh, we're putting out content uh, currently Mondays and Fridays. It's a bit of a moving target time-wise. So make sure you follow at Splash Play Pod too. So you'll know whenever we have guests, whenever we're going live here, because we're doing live shows down the home stretch. And of course, subscribe on Apple Podcasts too. Give us five stars and a review. Helps us out a bunch, get seen more on there. And uh, we're trying to build here. We're going to do some fun stuff in the off season, but we're running through the Super Bowl doing previews and all that content. So make sure you're with us down the home stretch here. And let's talk real fast. Actually, no, let's do a quick round of numbers. Don't lie. I think this is always a good warm up. It's the kind of the Pete. I know you've done some improv in the past. It's like pretending to be a tree or a, or an elephant walking across the floor. Is that, did you do that in improv? I had to do yeah, that. Yeah. Lots of games like that. Zip, zap, zop, you know, all, all the good stuff to get us feeling like we can trust each other and also have fun, Chris. Exactly. And that's what numbers don't lie is a game all about trusting each other and having fun where the premise is that I lie to Pete every single week and uh, give these guys three choices. Uh, two stats are true. One stats false. And these are all wild card slash divisional round related. So let's get into it. First stat up and numbers don't lie. The Saints, Deontay Harris may not be as useful this week with Traquan Smith's return, but he was a surprising beast last week. Harris led the wild card round in yards per route covered with 5.9 on a seven catch, 83 yard day. Uh, Pete set the table here so Justin can understand how much I might be trying to deceive you with this one. Well, can I ask Justin a question first? What's a yards per route covered? I don't I even was think wondering that. I didn't know if he was a defensive player. Oh, um, I'm mean, yards per route run. You're right. It's okay. yards per route run. Yeah. I, I legit believe that that would have been a stat. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I'm just not familiar. Okay. Yeah. Back, you use yards per route covered for receivers, yards per route run. Gotcha. So, um, so catch, catch that, Pete. <laughs> my my gut instinct is the overall premise sounds well. Like he was heavily utilized. He looked good. I, I legit thought it was Brandon Cooks out there mm-hmm. for the Saints again. So mm-hmm. my my gut reaction is that's true, but it's trying to decipher, Justin, do we think he's messing with these numbers here? Yeah, I don't think he is. I actually happened to know off the top of my head how many routes he ran, which was 14. So I think if we, if we backdoor into this, Pete, we can probably figure out whether that number's on the money. Okay. okay, I like well, that. Let's see, we've got two more here, and these guys could see if I'm lying or not about that one. Next one up, John Wolford will be out this week after he sustained the neck injury in the wild card game versus Seattle. And Jared Goff has some big shoes to fill. In his limited run, Wolford was the third most accurate QB in adjust completion rate last week with an 80% hit rate. And adjusted completion, of course, just the ball gets the target. If they drop it, it's not on the QB. And that was substantially above Jared Goff, who was dead last at 60% last week. Uh, Justin, you know the rules now. Does this one sound fake or true to you? 
you know, I think what you're doing here, Chris, is you're capitalizing on small sample size because we know Walford went out second drive of that game. So could he have had five pass attempts, four of which were on the money? You know, I think we could we could trick this here with some small sample size. That was sounding pretty, pretty good to me. I'm glad we haven't had Justin all year long because he's seeing right through all the data really fast. Pete, how about you? Yeah, what Justin said. <laughs> a good team effort here. Last one up. Baker Mayfield stole a win versus Pittsburgh after the Steelers shot themselves in the foot. He's a big underdog this week. But Baker's Cinderella carriage may turn into a pumpkin fast. When pressured, Baker Mayfield is one of the worst QBs with a 47.7 QB rating. He somehow is even worse in the wild card round with a 41 QB rating under pressure despite his big game. So, Pete, you've heard them all here, and I'm going to make you go first so you can't steal Justin's answer. Which one's a lie? Well, first of all, I want to say, I, I think it just dawned on me through, you know, 17, 18 weeks of your kind of flowery prose. It almost feels like you're auditioning to get a job, like writing cards for Trivial Pursuit. Uh, so, so I hope you've been there all year long, Pete. I'm, I'm, I'm so <laughs> until now. There's a certain cadence to it that's really pleasing and enjoyable. Just, it just hit me how overly written they were right now for the first time. It adds a bit of drama. It makes it, I feel like it makes it more of a game show. <laughs> I was so distracted by the, will you read the last one again? And I do want you to read it in full as written on your Google sheet. Okay. Baker Mayfield stole a win versus Pittsburgh after the Steelers shot themselves in the foot. And he's a big underdog this week. The Baker's Cinderella carriage may turn into a pumpkin fast. <laughs> pressured. Baker Mayfield is one of the worst QBs with a 47.7 QB rating. He somehow is even worse in the wild card round with a 41 QB rating under pressure, despite his big game. All right, yeah, I I feel once you add the Cinderella carriage in, uh, that that one has to be the lie. <laughs> is that is that a data point that we can look back on every week? <laughs> yeah, that's what do you think. Yeah, I'm doubling down with Pete here. I, I feel pretty solid about the way the first two read, and there's just something fishy about the third one. Uh, uh, and Baker played fine, I thought. So, yeah, I'm going with that one, too. Honestly, you guys may have figured out a tell that I didn't even know, but that is the lie. Baker was, in fact, the number two QB under pressure last week, which jumped out to me because he really has been trash. He actually has been a 47.7 QB rating under pressure all year long. Steelers blitz a lot, and he had a 109.7 QB rating, so he got results. Actually completed 100% or adjusted completion rate of 100 percent of his passes so uh, he was fantastic under pressure last week and a uh, very small sample size yeah i think we figured out the more adjectives and the more you know far-fetched analogies that's where he's tried to distract us from the lie that's i guess we'll, we'll I'll, I'll have to adjust for that now for our final <laughs> weeks the numbers don't lie and guys let's do the divisional round overview and i think the main thing we should talk about actually had to wake up early to fill in for uh, an nfl strategy show for awesome doing talking about the two-day slate uh, that's going on over this weekend really uh, both sites putting their biggest tournaments as two-day slates of all four games and uh justin i'll ask you first here and i know we could talk about pete's approach too because pete i've uh, been doing well all year long gonna have to adjust a little for a two-day slate but justin how are you viewing things and how to handle this because we have some guys who are questionable in the second day. Um, we do have Clyde Edwards Hilaire status is up in the air. Uh, Ronald Jones, we saw him assumed to play last week and he didn't end up playing. So there are some real questions here, but do you have any thoughts overall about an approach and the idea of, you know, placeholder guys and swapping around and all that? Yeah, I think ultimately, like uh, the smaller the stick, the smaller the slate, the more you want to just like jam certain games. Like you saw that last week with the, with the Pittsburgh game, obviously, um, but you can't bank on just like one game being that much better than the rest. I mean, you couldn't have too many Steelers and Browns in your lineup last week. And, and this week, like, okay, let's, let's ratchet that down. Like that was a real outlier type of game, but, but something along those lines is going to happen. So don't be afraid to be like really aggressive on a particular game. 
You know, whereas a, like a traditional 13 game classic slate, you might have you know five games or five guys in your lineup that are part of a single game. You could probably ratchet that up to like six or maybe even seven guys uh, if you find the right game script. Uh, so, yeah, just don't be afraid of that. But leave yourself out. Like Sometimes I think it's a fun way to do it. If you're going to play, uh, let's say, a 20 max, start off with like the exact same build through the one o'clock game or whatever time the, the early game gets going here. And then just give yourself lots of different ways that you can branch out and make essentially new lineups off that same information. Like to me, that's that's what I think is like my biggest advantage is adjusting to new information. Uh, and sometimes that's like leave a placeholder that lets you get to, you know, Ronald Jones if you want to play Ronald Jones this week. And just be ready to to swap out to Fournette if it doesn't work out. Like, um, don't just say, "Well, I can't build," you know, around Tampa running backs because I don't know how it's going to work out. No, just build and and adjust and and leave yourself like another like a two v two option there where you can swap two guys and not just forfeit that salary savings. Pete, how are you handling it? Because you know, I know for me, I'll, I'll probably be running a lot on Fantasy Cruncher, and I I recently finally took the buy into the late swap optimizer on there, where I never use it because I feel like it always screws things up more than I want. But you're a hand builder, so I feel like you got to actually make these choices kind of manually, especially for your higher dollar tournaments. So, what are you thinking going in here if you're going to have to manage uh, two days of NFL DFS? Yeah, well, first off, on what Justin said, I ended up doing, I had made basically one line, or I'd made two lineups, and then I put them each in like every single entry, and I had kind of hit on my first one with a, a Josh, uh, I think it was a Josh Allen and Diggs, and then it had a AJ Brown or whatever. Uh, maybe I'm mix mixing up the slates or whatever. But my point was, I ended up spinning that line off up. I can't talk today. I ended up spinning that lineup off into two different ones doing 3v3s for the late games to just kind of cover two things. One, I did a Latavius Murray. One, I did a Kareem Hunt. And because that early set of players had hit, I just wanted to give myself more out. So I do think thinking through those late swap scenarios makes a ton of sense. And then overall for this slate... I think it's going to be a really, really good one. Um, assuming we don't get any late injuries, the pricing is really solid. I would say other than like Devin Singletary and Michael Thomas, everyone's pretty reasonably priced. And the ownership right now that I'm seeing is pretty spread out. I think if Latavius Murray misses another practice, we could see his ownership for Alvin Kamara kind of get out of hand. But on the most part, I think you're going to be able to make very smart correlated lineups, as Justin said, going heavy maybe on a specific game and not having it catch an outrageous amount of ownership where your number one thing you're worried about is dupes. I don't think that's necessarily this slate because it's so balanced. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think one guy who I mentioned him briefly, but I just want to get your guys' thoughts on him. And we are going to do the, obviously, the ride or die picks where we go game by game and pick our favorite fantasy play or bet out of each game here. But I feel like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is one that I think is an important one to talk about in particular because, to me, there's a pathway here to getting that running back value for Kansas City, whoever it may be, in a spot where they're a 10-point favorite at home against a Cleveland team that you know stinks really bad against the pass but also isn't great against the run either. Like I think Edwards-Hilaire, based on the ownership that I'm seeing, under 20 percent owned you know and if it's not him if it's bell if it's not bell it's it's Dar darrell williams or i guess maybe even darwin thompson but i think just one of those guys having the opportunity here as a 10 point favorite at home against the cleveland team i think is overmatched i'm intrigued there so uh justin how do you feel about the situation with edwards Hilaire? and i know with your sims you ran him early so you were accounting for some guys expecting to be in there so like how do you handle that as well when you're updating that and you know are you running them all over again when you get the injury news 
Yeah, I've got to. That's really the only way I know to do it because uh, like if you hedge, you're not really getting very accurate information. You need to like pick what you think the thing is and and go full steam ahead with that. So uh, basically whenever I find out whether Edwards Alaire is in or out, I'll just have to completely modify everything. But, you know, we're recording here Friday afternoon. We should be getting news pretty soon uh, out of the Chiefs in terms of Sammy Watkins, Clyde Edwards Alaire. And and what we're going to do there, my guess is like they're going to they're going to tag him questionable and we're going to have this question leading all the way uh, through their game, which they have the early game Sunday. So yeah, like I would love to be able to just like jam Darrell Williams in here because I, I think he, I think there's a realistic chance that he gets the featured role ahead of Le'Veon Bell should Clyde Edwards Hilaire not play in this game. And he's men price 4k that opens up a lot, especially like, I mean, this is, these are the best eight teams theoretically uh, left in the game. And so of course there are a lot of studs. I mean, you got Devonte Adams, Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs. I mean, a lot of guys to pay up for here on this slate. So being able to capture one value running back like that, I think it opens up so much uh, in, in terms of options. And like at the quarterback position, you just want to, you really want to emphasize jamming raw points um, on a short slate. So I, I think where you can find value that lets you get there without giving up a ton of projection, I think it's going to be really important. Pete, do you have a feel at all for that that Chiefs backfield? Because I, I, I just want to talk about it a little bit because I feel like it's just all going to be under-owned. And, you know, just based on game script, which we know is as important as anything, um, it does seem like it could be a spot worth keeping an eye on. So do you have any feel at all for, for CEH and if he's going to be in there? And then also, if, if we're going to see Bell or Darrell Williams if he isn't in there. I love the Darrell Williams take by Justin, too, because I feel like this scenario played out with the Chiefs last year where they did the LaShawn McCoy experiment. You know, you know, Andy Reid trusted him. He's the vet. And then they're like, it's not happening. He's got nothing in there. And we've already seen them turn to Darrell Williams in some of these games. And he has that kind of Damian Williams light. Uh, skill set where he can do all things for them, pass, protect, catch passes, run the ball on early down. So I would be very intrigued in Darrell Williams. And ideally we get that news at inactives to where chalk doesn't have a chance to solidify. So even, but I guess even if Clyde Edwards Hilaire is ruled out, Le'Veon Bell will probably be the default option. Most people will gravitate to, uh, I would just guess. So yeah, I love thinking about that. And then, you know, the Sammy Watkins one's injury, uh, interesting too, I actually kind of hope he goes because I'd rather maybe play Miko Hardman at lower ownership. Whereas if Watkins doesn't go, Hardman is going to probably end up being the uh, the pump play de jour on the slate. Yeah, Demarcus Robinson to lurking there. Some ways to go. And I guess let's segue real faster because we are kind of doing an overview. And I feel like it's one important question to ask as, as the Rick or the Rick 20 Rick points out, of course, uh, one of our regulars here, the mentor is back a favorite nickname of many people on the year. Um, Patrick Mahomes, expensive as hell this week. And also, if you are to try to stack a Hill and, and Travis Kelsey with Mahomes, you're going to find it real tough to, to get there in a meaningful way. But going against Cleveland, I think you could make a pretty strong case the worst defense on the slate. We saw it uh, when Ben Roethlisberger was trailing last week that all his receivers ended up having monster days. And granted, that was a necessity thing more than anything. But uh, Justin, how are you feeling here about the idea of going to Mahomes where if, if he doesn't get there in a big way and you went to like, let's say Mahomes, Hill and Kelsey, uh, you are probably screwed because the value is pretty specious on the slate. I assume I'm screwed 80% of the time anyway. And so yeah, I don't mind just if, if that's your play and you think that's going to work out, then absolutely. Like if I, here's the thing earlier this season, uh, Russell Wilson pairing him with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. That's something people want to do. And there was one week where it really, really worked out and, and great. But 
when you're going to play three super high price players, they need to all have monster ceilings. And we know like there is no bigger ceiling than Pat Mahomes. He can get both guys there. And obviously that puts himself there. So by getting those two things right, you automatically get the third thing right. And that's the benefit of stacking. That's what we're into. So yeah, I, I would not shy away from that. My success personally from playing Pat Mahomes this year has been when I would pick a guy, either Hill or Kelsey, and then find that tertiary option, whether that's Demarcus Robinson, Miko Hardman, even Sammy, like people hate playing Sammy Watkins, but you could play him and, and rock and roll there. So I don't hate, you know, basically any way you want to stack around Pat Mahomes. I think in theory, it, it makes a lot of sense. Pete, how are you handling it? Are you also, are you still doing cash or are you back to the GPP world? I am uh, unfortunately doing cash. I've received a few. So then once I get one, Pandora's box is open. So if you want to play me in cash, revert Z top, you are uh, welcome to scoop me. Uh, the interesting thing about Mahomes is I was looking at ownership earlier in the week and it seemed like Mahomes was going to separate from everyone. I just pulled in updated ownership from, from ETR, Osimo, all that. And Mahomes' ownership is dropping down and now is much closer to Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. And before I was like, you know, if there's, if he's at 40 and those guys are at 20, let me take my stabs on Allen and Lamar. Now that they're all bunched together, I kind of am thinking about going overweight on Mahomes in that scenario is kind of how I'm leaning right now. Um, yeah. What are, what are you thinking with those, those three quarterbacks? Because I do think from a ceiling perspective, they separate from the rest. I mean, I think they all look a little bit under like the top three to me. I I know that there's a lot more value at, in the bottom grouping of QBs. Like a guy like Jared Goff is super cheap and not going to be owned at all. Brady, I think you have probably the better case for uh, he's cheap and they also pass a lot. A lot of their scoring does come through passing. So um, I like I get the logic there. But to me, I, I find it hard to believe there isn't going to be the optimal QB out of Mahomes, Allen and Lamar Jackson. And um, I, I want to force my way there. I'm probably going to have to force a lot more Mahomes. But I think to me, this is one thing that the doesn't seem as bullish on a lot of people favoring Kelsey because obviously tight ends a garbage position. It's not the most helpful uh, to go to anybody besides Kelsey, but I think this could be like a spot for Tyree kill just because of how bad Cleveland is defensively and the matchup he's going to be getting outside or in the slot. Uh, they all should really be heavily in his favor. I think Tyree can have like one of those slate breaking days. So I think forcing your way to uh, like a single stack with Tyreek, I think is one move. I'm probably gonna make a lot more than the field. Well, yeah, I think that makes sense. And like Justin was saying, I mean, because there are so many good players on this slate, if you are doing the Mahomes premium, I mean, you're getting squeezed elsewhere and your opponents are going to be having Cam Akers and Mike Evans type guys in their lineup in a more balanced build that you don't have. So you're going to really have to hit on whatever pump play guys you are going to have a chance. Um, I haven't actually run any of the optimals yet to see how much of those guys are popping up, but I'm guessing you're not going to see a lot of Mahomes premiums in those optimals. Yeah, definitely going to be a, an interesting slate to figure out. And again, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button for us. We appreciate it a bunch. Um, it just helps us get seen by more people. And that's always the goal. And I guess let's get into the troll play of the week here. And Pete, you could set the table for the troll play, which I think is, uh, you know, I'll just set the table. I don't know why you can do the ride or die. <laughs> the troll play is a play most likely to screw over 
bunch of people. Wow. I don't know why I'm throwing it to you. Like I could just, easily you know explain how excited I got to set the table for troll play of the week. Oh, and man. then you just rip it away from me. <laughs> it's like a Cinderella carriage. <laughs> to her, and then the carriage becomes a pumpkin. And that's what the troll play is. If the shoe fits bags, go for it. <laughs> uh, but I'll let you have the first troll play here. Uh, just, you know, there's some high owned guys out there. I feel like just to, just so people know, Cam Makers does project to be pretty highly owned. Um, you know, uh, who else to chalk? Stefan Diggs going to be pretty chalky. So Pete, knowing that, just dive in with a troll play. Yeah, I mean, the, the normal de facto one would be like, okay, Alvin Kamara, Latavius Murray is the troll play, but now Latavius's status is a little bit in doubt, and I don't know if I have the stones to go deeper there for a troll play. Let's go with the Cam Akers angle. Uh, he's been playing extremely well, um, but we still haven't necessarily seen them in a true negative game script since committing to him as their featured back. So what I'm really curious about is how much Malcolm Brown do we see when the Packers or if the Packers get up 10 points, because that's very viable in this spot. You know, they're seven point underdogs here on the road. So I'm going to say Malcolm Brown troll play. They get down and we see a ton of Malcolm Brown catches and uh, Cam Akers isn't the true bell cow we hoped he was. All right, Justin, now you know the all the troll play details you need to know. So if you had to go, whether you want to go sin based or not, who would be your troll play of the week? I'm going sim based and uh, the troll play for me is going to be back in that New Orleans game that that Pete didn't have the stones to pull the trigger on. You know, everybody's going to be all in on Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas. And guess who's going to come in and wreck the party? Emmanuel Sanders. Ooh. Emmanuel Sanders is the guy who's out there for all the routes. People are going to get the fool's gold from Deontay Harris, the shiny touchdown from Michael Thomas, the can't miss from Alvin Kamara. And it's going to be Manny Sanders who's out there hauling in targets and pulling in touchdown grabs and banging his head off the goalpost. And he's going to wreck everybody's Sunday. Okay, that's uh, that's a really good one. I now I feel I still think to me the Cam Akers angle is the one I want to troll the most because I just think people are going to see the 28 touches for him and be like, oh, he's going to get that again. But it's so easy for them to get away from that because if Green Bay scores early, and we saw that happen, you know, a couple times for DK Metcalf last week where he wasn't getting results against Jalen Ramsey, but he did get results on broken plays where he was just outside, got away from everybody, and then did that thing. That's what Devontae Adams does every single game. Like I think to me, he's a much better play than people realize or afraid of the the shadow coverage Ramsey's fantastic but Ramsey can't do everything on a field and the Adams Rogers connection is so strong I think Adams goes off in a big way and we just don't see Cam Akers get the work all right Spags what's yours that was it <laughs> okay Devontae <laughs> Adams is the troll play to be clear leave it to Spags to use what the best wide receiver <laughs> in the NFL. he's 25 percent projected owned he's less than Dig. he's less than Hill he's less than Kelsey Thomas? Maybe I should have explained how troll play works at the top of the show because it doesn't seem like you understand how it works. You, Patrick <laughs> Mahomes is going to wreck the slate, guys. People, people are afraid of Jalen Ramsey. I think you guys are understating the amount of people who fear shadow matchups for a cornerback. And uh, I think people are just going to be less on Adams than they should be. So I, I stand by it. Also, it's a four game slate. Like really, <laughs> it's not everybody's owned. That's, that's He's how projecting as the third highest owned wide receiver on the slate specs. 
I mean, look, it's no Emmanuel Sanders. I'm really <laughs> a ballsier call, but I'm just saying, don't fear Jalen Ramsey. I mean, fear him a little, but Devontae is going to get his, I think. Uh, let's get to the ride or die picks. And uh, well, Pete, now you can explain the rules. Set the table here, if you will, uh, for the ride or die picks. Yeah, the ride or die picks is you just pick um, the best players in the game and you tell the people you think they're going to do good. <laughs> Justin, it's actually pretty easy. Spags yeah. does it here every week and it's a grand old time. Uh, so we're going to go game by game and you can pick literally any kind of bet that you want it could be a prop bet could be the over under it could be a guy over 20 fantasy points a guy outscoring his teammate and then i will arbitrarily grade it based on how aggressive it is one point for like the 50 50 types three points if you're a little more aggressive and then the the rare 10 pointer if you want to go balls to the wall crazy and never score any points like i do yeah, that's that summed it up better than I possibly could have. So thank you, Pete, for contributing that first game up. Rams 19.5 implied points at Green Bay, 26 implied points for them over under a 45 and a half. And uh, Pete, you set the table so beautifully. I got to let you eat first here. But big dog got to eat first. Go ahead, Pete. All right. Can I can I correlate with my uh, troll play of the week? Will you give me 10 points for Malcolm Brown outscoring Cam Akers? I will. I will give you that. Okay. Um, and also, Justin, there's a bit of a negotiation process that goes on here. Yeah, it's, it's like if the casinos were very friendly and willing to take calls and, <laughs> oh, and willing yeah, to really we'll bend it. the ear and, and listen to people out there. But uh, no Justin, limiting, I'll let you go before me here so you can uh, get your pick of the litter in this game. Okay, Aaron Jones will outscore Devontae Adams in this game. All right, I will say uh, Devontae Adams over 30 DK points. Is that a 10-pointer, Pete? No, that's a three-pointer. You son of a bitch. Fine. That's a three point. I'm so far in the lead. I guess I don't even need it, really, do I? No. <laughs> yeah, Justin, that's the one thing that we don't talk about enough here on Rider Die Picks that I crushed Pete and uh, overall in the year. So just it's because no. Chris does these little layups and I'm from half court. I did more than pointers too, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. The no, narrative you, has gone out of control. Next, you do game. ten pointers that get sent in to get graded, and then get regraded yeah. down to a three pointer. That's what it was. You just do. last week, that was, just, that was. It was a different standard last week. Fantastic week by me, though. Uh, next game, Baltimore twenty three point three implied points at Buffalo twenty five point eight implied points over under a forty nine. This one's come down a point throughout the week, and uh, maybe some weather concerns in this game as well. Uh, I heard today. So, uh, but knowing that, Justin, uh, you can go first here. What would be your ride or die pick? Uh, TJ Yeldon scores a touchdown in this game. Ooh, that's okay. a 10 pointer. You know, Zach Moss. So important thing to know here though. Uh, Yeldon not expected to have a big role, but definitely very, another troll play potentially. Pete, what about you? I want to get a 10 pointer involving JK Dobbins. So let's open up the negotiation. Like we established last week doing in the winning Millie maker lineup is, is too, yeah, uh, not on a, on a short slate. It's not good enough. Yeah. yeah. So what will we how many points, DK points for J.K. Dobbins to get me 10 points? Uh, 150 rushing yards, I think. Would, or how many fantasy points? Yeah, would be, fantasy points. Uh, I, I want would a say, couple out. Um, I feel like 25. 2,000? Okay, we'll do. I'll take 25. I'll take, uh, or I'll take J.K. Dobbins over two dozen, so 25 or more, and we're cooking. Okay. Um, for me in this one, I will take... Honestly, it worked out so well last week. I'm going back to the well. Lamar Jackson over 125 rushing yards. So that's that's a it's, ten pointer. It's 133. You try to move the goalpost. <laughs> was it? No, it was previously 125. I think. I, whatever. I'll do 133 again. It's Fine. always Fine. been Fine. 133. <laughs> Fine. Worked out last week. Going to work out again. Buffalo's run defense, uh, pretty egregious, and Lamar certainly going to run the ball. So 
either he or Dobbins could benefit. Uh, next game, the first game on Sunday, Cleveland getting 23.5 implied points. Kansas City, 33.5. Over under a 57 has come up a point and a half throughout the week. And I guess I'm due to go first here. And I will take I'll take Tyreek Hill. Pete, is this would it be over 10 if he gets 40 fantasy points? Yes, I'll give you 10 over 40. Right, so Tyreek Hill over 40 fantasy points is my prediction. Justin. Oh, man. I, I don't have anything quite that bold for this one. Um, I, let's go with uh, let's go with a good Nick Chubb one because nobody knows what Nick Chubb's going to be able to do here against this Chiefs defense. The, the game script's looking south, but that's not going to stop my guy, Nick Chubb, from uh, having 130 on the ground. Okay. There we go. Pete? I will you give me 10 pointer if Austin Hooper outscores Travis Kelsey? Ooh, Ooh that's a good uh, I'll, I'll give it. But actually, I think that's actually a pretty sharp one, but I'll give it. I'll give Thank it. you. I'm a master yeah. negotiator. <laughs> yeah. Austin Hooper <laughs> ran a lot of routes last week and uh, pretty good tight end matchup too. Uh, yards per route covered, giving up a 1.7 to tight ends over the last uh I think the last stretch here for Kansas City. No last one knows week. what that's that <laughs> uh, Damn you, damn you. <laughs> How dare you belittle my data? <laughs> the last game up. Tampa Bay, 24.5 implied points. New Orleans, 27.5 implied points. Over under a 52 in this one. And uh, Pete, I think you are due to go first one more time. All right. Ronald Jones, the Ronald Jones experiment uh, it necessitates that he is going to have a massive game after being a late scratch last week. So I will say, uh, will you give me the the J.K. Dobbins line for for Rojo over twenty five points, ten pointer? Um, yeah. Oh, I mean, New Orleans also hasn't given up a lot of running back production overall. So yeah, I think that's fine. All right, thank you. All right, Justin, what do you want? Uh, let's go Cameron Braid outscores uh, Rob Gronkowski and Jared Cook combined. Okay, we got Justin on board. Now he's shooting 10-pointers. There we go, baby. <laughs> Justin, bringing that spice. It's spicy. We didn't talk about Justin's background on the show, by the way, which I feel like real fast we should give the people. And Justin, I don't want to spoil it, but tell the people, like, because it's a very unique background relative to the DFS and fantasy space. Oh, that he's oh. actually an athlete? Oh, is that it? Okay. I was like, I'm not sure which direction we're headed here, which background, but um, yeah, uh, was a, a four-year walk-on at Duke. Oh, or... no, I meant the background behind you. I was just noticing it again. <laughs> <laughs> but no, please give them the full background, though. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I, I don't know what we're – yeah, this background? Okay, so I, I like to uh, – there's a phrase in, like, southern wedding traditions called shabby chic. It's like where you intentionally try to create that homey vibe, and that's what I've done here in my – studio and basically yeah we've got a, a palette from behind Lowe's home improvement black curtain off Amazon Christmas lights I mean do you feel at home I, I love it I mean I, that's why I brought it up again because I just wanted to make mention of it before we jump off and uh, I, I I honestly think it's fantastic if you see me with a palette in the background anytime soon uh, you'll know I stole it single-handedly from Justin yeah. I get so many compliments I mean but also, if you want to give your full background, too. <laughs> yeah, so hit my Tinder profile if you'd like to know more about my complete background. The funny thing is, is when you had that on, I thought uh, I thought it was a Duke Blue Devil sweatshirt because that's the same kind of Duke color there, but it ended up being a Battlehawk. So it could have yeah. gone either way. Yeah, classic bait and switch. Um, yeah, and I guess I have to take one here and um, let's see, what's what's the move? What's the move? You know, I, people are also afraid of the Mike Evans matchup against Marshawn Lattimore, who admittedly has uh, gotten his ass in pretty much every matchup they've had. Uh, but Lattimore has been terrible on the year, and I just think Mike Evans getting the volume has the touchdown equity on the year in a major way. I think Mike Evans over, what's a 10-pointer for Mike Evans, Pete? Is, is 25 enough for Mike? 
No, no. 35 for a minute. 35? He's got a 15-point projection. Can he outscore Godwin and Antonio Brown? Maybe. Uh, how about? I'll, I'll, I'll give you. Th- I'll give you thirty. I'll give you thirty. Okay. Yeah. Mike Evans over thirty. I was thinking either it's top scoring receiver. Now that we know that Manuel Sanders is going to shove it in everybody's face, I, I'm a little bit afraid of that one. <laughs> but I'll take over thirty for Mike Evans. Yeah. Uh, see, Nick. Nick does want to know uh, Justin's background. <laughs> I think I first learned of it when my brother a few years back had gotten me a Thad Lewis cameo because growing up we were huge Duke basketball fans you know just as you know some colorado boys hopping on the bandwagon but did you play with thad lewis i did Thad was my quarterback we we were the exact same class uh, class of 05 high school class of 09 at duke um so he's my guy he came in he won a couple big games for us we were we were really bad um (laughs) when i played we freshman year one win sophomore year zero wins uh, junior year, one win, and then we won four as seniors, and we were like kings of the world. So, <laughs> yeah, but Thad's the man. We we got a couple guys that were knocking around out there. We're not as many anymore. James and Crowder's out there now, but I didn't I didn't cross paths with anybody. I'm like so old now. I didn't cross paths with anybody who's left in the league. From who were the Who were the big men on campus uh, basketball wise at the time? Yeah, so JJ Redick would have been a senior when I was a freshman. Sheldon Williams, that crew. Um, yeah, so that JJ would probably be the big name. Yeah, for sure. JJ uh, was playing Luke Kennard the other day, and, uh, and for all the basketball fans out there, and then they pointed out, like, oh, Luke Kennard used to idolize JJ Redick, and JJ Redick's been terrible this year. Uh, no offense, of course, to the Duke family out there. And, uh, <laughs> and then JJ, like, crossed over Luke Kennard and hit a shot right in his face. I was like, a real mean thing to do to a guy who idolized you and went to Duke, apparently, because of you. That's awesome. Yeah, Duke owns the NBA now. Like, that's all we do yeah. is just pump out prospects. Yeah. Right? That used to be the hangup on Duke. Nobody who went to Duke did anything in the NBA. Yeah. Uh, and then no, no Coach more. K had to keep up with the, you know, the Calipari's of the world yeah, with all these. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Kyrie Irving, I'm sure, another proud Duke legacy. <laughs> so. We'll move on to the next question. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, Justin, give it, we're, we're done a little early. Is there anything else you want to hit on here? I, I feel like my natural inclination is always to extend to an hour, but I feel like we had a power packed 50 here. So, anything I was going to say. Here? I was w- waiting to see your brain combust because I know how lo- how much your OCD likes is getting to an exact hour. I was like, is Spags going to let us in early or is he going to drag us out? Yeah, the, the teacher will let us out early. I just want to make sure we cover everything here. I, I care about giving the people their money's worth for this free podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I think I think we have covered it. Uh, Justin, what are you? Because I know you play. Are you still playing a lot of FanDuel? Um, or are you going to be playing this slate exclusively on DraftKings? Because the contests seem way better on DraftKings this weekend. Yeah, I, I think I'm thinking about uh, maxing out the Millie this week on really? DraftKings. Uh, yeah, getting my my Jaden Tanner on. This would have been the, the size slate that they were able to capitalize on. You know, because there's only so many combinations, guys. If you hunt 150, you can probably hit them all. Um, but that's what I'm going to be trying to, to to focus on is is nailing that down and get a little bit weird and a little bit creative. I do most of my I do a lot of. Um, Showdown stuff on FanDuel, I think it's kind of an underrated game. I think people misunderstand it in a, in a few different ways um, because you can't really get unique on it, and people think that's just sort of you know a, a rake fest. But I, you know, I like it, and uh, to me, it fits how I want to play anyway. Nice. I find it a little bit weird there where you're not paying the price increase, but I guess real fast, Justin, what would be the one so we could get to the, no, I mean, we don't need to get to the hour, but what would be the one big difference there you feel like people aren't accounting for? Cause I agree. Like it's, it's definitely a different game and people have a hard time wrapping around because showdown on DraftKings has become by far, I think the standard bear overall. 
It is. And it's a more fun game. It's a more challenging game. It's also probably a more variant game. Um, so like, even if I think I'm just the best showdown player on earth, I could go the full slate, max out 150 entries and be a net losing player at the end of the year on DraftKings. I think that the odds of that are much less over on FanDuel. Basically here's, here's the benefit to playing on FanDuel. There's five roster spots versus six. So there's one thing that just like uh, eliminates like every lineup you have becomes like 90% more powerful right away because you have one fewer roster spot. Then there's the salary savings at the MVP spot. You don't have to pay up for that. So now you have like a short list of like four guys on any slate who could realistically be the MVP on the slate. So, okay, now it's really easy to start figuring out how to put those combinations together. And so, yeah, like, sure, you're going to chop it with 150 people for first place. But guess what? You probably have 150 times better chance at doing that over on. You have 150 times better chance of finding the right lineup over on FanDuel. It's just an easier game. And to me, if I, I would rather play an easier game against people who don't get it than a harder game against people who don't get it. Th- that that gives me a better chance uh, as long as we're making the assumption that people don't get it. Like you're not playing a quarterback or a star-studded RB or wide receiver in the MVP spot. Thank you. I will take your uh, money and sure, I'll cash out and I'll have a first place. Like, I mean, I hit like seven or eight first places over on FanDuel this year. And they're not, they weren't all huge paydays. Like you can't post screenshots when you win $3,000. Uh, I mean, I would, I would rather just take that. And I kind of treat it like a cash mindset, kind of like a cash portfolio. And it's just different. Like, I mean, if you, if you think that, yeah, I deserve, if I put together the optimal lineup, I ought to win a hundred thousand dollars all to myself on not really. You're playing a significantly easier puzzle to figure out. And this is a good time to, again, plug. Justin has a great uh, podcast, and he posts the video versions on his YouTube, The Captain Spot. He does uh, episodes for all of the big price pool uh, slates. So definitely check that out. I believe you already have one up for one this weekend. Buffalo Baltimore is up. We'll be getting the uh, Sunday night game up here before much longer. Yeah, I've got uh, all those numbers are run, and we'll just, I like to wait on the injury reports before we kind of finalize everything. But yep, and you can find the, uh, the first one up over on Mayo Media Network uh, YouTube channel. Nice. Yeah, follow at Justin Freeman 18. And Justin, any other plugs you want to hit on? You did a great job for us. So uh, people should definitely go check out all your work. Uh, so whatever you want to plug here, go ahead. Yeah, uh, I would say everybody should pick up a copy of the Captain Spot ebook. That's over at cptspot.com. It's $34.99. Go check that out. You find my writing over at Numberball. I love working over there and handling the projections for that site. Um, and so I'm always interested in talking to people. So reach out to me, DM on Twitter. Uh, happy to walk through scenarios and stuff like that. I find it fun. I know some people get really annoyed by it, but to me, it's uh, it's all part of a fun puzzle. Justin, on the way up, I feel like it's a lot of fun. Then once you're once you're fully big time, once Pat Mayo brings you on, oh, paying yeah. you that that big money, then you'll be like, "Fuck these guys! I don't want to." I'm not answering a single thing, a DM from anyone. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I have some people that have like asked me for the hundredth time, and I and I've kind of like gotten out of that a little bit. Like, that's hey, not as exciting. Old big time Justin over here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, people should follow you, of course, at Peter Overzet. What are your pl- what shows you have going on this weekend? Yeah, I'm actually going to do a show in a couple hours uh, with Pete Jennings over on my channel. We're going to do uh, a, another deep dive on uh, four-game slate strategy for Wild Card Weekend. So if you guys want to see me and Pete talk about that. And I'm also going to ask him about his recent controversial, polarizing, top shot purchase. So if you guys are interested in hearing it from the horse's mouth, we will be doing that at uh, 4 p.m. 
uh, a Nickelodeon inspired Pete and Pete show coming up there. So make sure you keep your eyes peeled there. Follow at Chris Spags. I got a, I'm doing an NBA live before lock show later. I got NFL for awesome. I think on Sunday, but just like uh, you watched me there and uh, we appreciate all you guys, especially the people who came in live, but we're going to try to promote a little bit more in advance. So you guys know when it's coming. Cause we do like having you guys in the room, but shout out to all you guys in the chat. If you are not in the chat, you're watching after the fact, hit the like button and subscribe. If you're listening on Apple podcast, five stars and review and Pete and I will be back on Monday, breaking down everything from the divisional round unfortunately no slime cannons this week so that's going to be sad but we'll see you guys then enjoy your weekends good luck a minute and 15 seconds short of an hour you hate to see it (laughs) 